The Gospels tell us early on that Jesus was establishing his credibility. He wanted people to understand that he loved them, that he spoke and acted with authority, that he was, in fact, God's son. And he needed that authority when he preached his first sermon that we read in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, known as the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's a rather, what should we say, comprehensive sermon. He touched on a lot of things, and what we find is through the rest of Jesus' ministry, he unpacks these ideas that he introduced in this early Sermon on the Mount. It's found, as I said, in Matthew 5 through 7, and then a briefer version is found in Luke chapter 6, and uh, reading them together is really helpful, and much of the material that, that's included in Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount is repeated in various places in the Gospel of Luke. It was probably the same sermon, one sermon, but both writers did different things with it. And as Jesus began that sermon, you're probably very familiar with it. He began with the Beatitudes, the, the blessed are, blessed are, nine different blesseds. Blessed are the uh, poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and the word blessed means fulfilled, happy. It's much like Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. And that word, the Old Testament, the, the uh, ashray means happy, blessed. When the, the uh, translators of the Septuagint, turning the Old Testament scriptures into Greek, translated that passage, that Psalm 1, they used this word makarios, which is the word Jesus used here. So Jesus is essentially introducing this Sermon on the Mount, very similarly to the way the book of Psalms opens. Here is how you live life the way God designed it to be lived. And, and blessed means fulfilled. It means happy. It means settled. It means confident. It means I wake up in the morning and I say, this is going to be a good day because I'm going to walk with God. Everything isn't going to be beautiful. Everything's not going to go well. But I have a God who I trust and I know loves me. And so he began this sermon by saying to people, I'm here to introduce you to a way of life that works. And as you read those beatitudes, they're terrific. And then he said, now here's what I want you to do. Here's how you should live your life. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt hinders decay. It keeps meat from rotting. And he said, your presence in the world is a presence for good. It's a presence that keeps things from going into the dumpster. You should be a, a witness and a testimony with your life for what life can be like. As you live these beatitudes, people will see, you know, there is a better way to live. And he says, in fact, it's not just living it. You are the light of the world. You have a message to proclaim. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl, and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And you are a light. God puts you on a lampstand, and you are to live your life in a way that people see hope and see a better way to live, and then actually hear the message from your life. Just what Harry was saying. 
man, I, I, I thank you for that. And then the next portion of the sermon, the rest of chapter 5, uh, Jesus went through six ways that this new way of life looks. How does salt and light manifest itself in our life? How specifically do we live out these beatitudes? And, 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 and Jesus said in, in verse uh, 11, do not think, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I didn't come to break the glass. I came to fill it up. I didn't come to destroy the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws that Moses gave the Jewish people. I came to help you understand how you can actually live them out. Because the history of Israel over those 1,400 years since they had the law was an inability to live it. And, and, and Israel and Judah, the, the two, the divided nation of Israel after they split up, both were destroyed because of their sin. They couldn't make it work. And Jesus said, you can make it work because I have come to help you make it work. In fact, he said, I, I will fulfill the new covenant that Jer Jeremiah wrote about uh, back in Jeremiah 31. He said, here's how life is going to change for you. This is the difference between Israel as they tried to keep the law and the church, my new people, uh, made up of Jews and Gentiles together who have accepted me as their savior, I will make this covenant with you. This is the covenant I will establish with my people, with you and me. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill this covenant. This is the covenant I will make with my people. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts so that it's no longer obedience to some external law. My Holy Spirit will be inside of you, teaching you, encouraging you, guiding you. My laws, my word, my teaching will be in your minds and on your hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. As God's people, we have entered into not a set of rules and rituals, but a relationship. Jesus said, I have come to enter into your life. To help you be the people that I want you to be. And then in verse 20, he says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, I have come to make you even more righteous than the most righteous of people, or those who are certainly trying to be, and you've got to outdo the keepers of the law. And, 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 and then that's the beginning of this, this series of six ways, specific ways. He said, these are some very specific ways. You have to be better than the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law. And then he closed this section in verse 48 of, of, uh, uh, of chapter 5. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You say, you've got to be joking. I've got to be better than a Pharisee, and I have to be as good as? 
be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect? Jesus said, yeah. How in the world? How in the world am I going to do that? Well, Jesus said, now I'm going to give you some specifics here. He said, now, let's go. We're here at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, through Moses, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I say to you, and then he tackled adultery. You have heard that it was said years ago, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, wait a minute. The law says you shouldn't commit murder. So what are you going to say that's different than that? Somebody steps on your foot, shoot them. Is that what he's going to say? The old law said, don't commit murder, but I say to you. The old law said, don't commit adultery, but hey, I say to you. What's he going to say? What's he going to say that would contradict or that would fulfill? Well, six different times. In each, he introduces each of these ethical, moral issues with those same words. You heard long ago, but I say to you. That's why Jesus needed to establish his authority. I am telling you something brand new. I have this new wine that I talked about earlier in my ministry. I'm pouring it into new wineskins. What could he possibly say about murder and adultery and these other things? <clears throat> That was already, not already said. <clears throat> and by the way, just a, 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 a fascinating fact about these six, but I say to you. In Greek, the verb form carries the pronoun. In other words, you look at the verb form, the, the, the word Jesus uses here is the word lego, and because of that ending, you say this is a first person. If he's legais, you would say that is a second person. If you said legay, that would be a third person. Because the verb carries the meaning of the pronoun. You don't need the pronoun. But Jesus included the pronoun. So in Eng if we're reading it in English, we would say, but I, I say to you, six times. I, I say to you. The law said don't commit murder, but I, I say to you. Well, what's he going to say? Commit murder? Well, let's see what he says in each of these six things. It's really fascinating. What he said is, the law said, don't commit murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which means blockhead, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore... If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go and be reconciled to your brother who's offended you, and then come and make your gift. So Jesus said the law sort of hung out there and waited for you to screw up. And after you committed murder, says, hey, you blew it. You've got to pay the penalty. 
Jesus said, I, I, I'm backing all of this up. I'm saying, back the train up. Before you get into murder, when you're feeling the anger, when you're feeling the resentment, deal with it. Go to your brother. We talk about Matthew 18. If someone sins against you, go and tell them and deal with it. So Jesus is saying, my way of life says, don't harbor that anger. Don't harbor that bitterness. Go and be reconciled to your brother. And that's uh, Peter's, uh, what am I talking about, Peter? Who, uh, Luke's version of this same statement is go quickly, be diligent to be reconciled. So why live with anger? Jesus said, you are my people. My word is in your mind and in your heart. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you, to help you. So rather than wait until it's so bad you want to kill or you do kill somebody, settle matters quickly, even before you come to worship. If you're presenting your offering at the altar and you're on your knees in front of the altar with your gift that you're going to give to God and there you remember, you know, I had that fight with my wife. I'm really ticked at her. Oh, that stupid neighbor. I just read this morning. Guy shot eight people because somebody asked him to stop shooting his gun in his yard. Harry, how many of those guys doing life at Ironwood if they had said, you know, if I had dealt with that situation, I wouldn't be here. Jesus said, let me help you live life on a higher plane. Stop the hatred. Stop the anger. Deal with it. That's my way of life, Jesus said. And then he moved to adultery. He said, you heard long ago that you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a person with lust, deal with it. Before it gets to the point where you can't control it. Hit it early on. You say, how do I do that? Jesus said, I have given you the power of my Holy Spirit to help you with that. Don't wait until the deed is done. When you first have that inclination, that sense, that wow, Deal with it then. Come to me. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. The third thing is divorce. He said, you heard anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. Well, how do I deal with that? Well, Jesus said, I gave you the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. The B-attitudes. Be salt. Be light. If you're angry with your spouse to the point where you can look at another person and prefer them over your spouse, deal with that. Deal with that, with that anger. If you're feeling lust for someone else, deal with that before it gets to the point where you can't tolerate one another anymore and you think of this divorce situation. You move to the third one. Again, you have heard, uh, the fourth one, that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, 
have such an ethical standard in your life, Lord, if you just say to somebody, well, I swear to you, that's a, you don't need to swear to me. I remember Mr. Fuller, our neighbor, he kind of took care of us in a way. He said to me one day, you know, your dad is a very hard man. But I want to tell you something about your dad. I would sell him my house on a handshake. When Buzzle says something, it's going to happen. And that's what Jesus is saying. Let your ethical standard be so high, so high, that you don't have to promise. People hear you say it, and they say, got it. Trust that person. Oaths. Then he says, you have heard that it was said long ago, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. Now this situation of slapping you on the cheek was a, 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 a terrible insult. It was just the, 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 sort of the epitome of telling somebody they were inferior to you. And in the shame, honor, culture, that was enraging. He said, so it's all about your ego. It's all about, can I tolerate somebody insulting me, or do I have to retaliate? Do I have to say, I'll get even with you? But Jesus is saying, strengthen. Strengthen that inner person. Have a, what Goldman calls emotional intelligence, a strength, an inner strength that says, I feel myself feeling slighted. I feel myself feeling insulted. I feel I really want to retaliate. So the first thing is, is emotional awareness. I sense this coming on. I sense this lust coming on. I sense this rage coming on that makes me want to kill. I sense this desire to lie to make myself look better. I'm aware of it. I'm in touch with it. I'm sensitized by the Holy Spirit being active in my life. So emotional awareness is number one. Emotional management is number two. I want to retaliate, but I am not going to because my Lord Jesus said, do not do that. Do not do that. So this, this thing with an eye for an eye is just saying this whole thing of the be attitudes. Am I the kind of person who is secure enough in my relationship with Christ? Who understands, as my dear Jeanette used to say when somebody would say, I'm a daughter of the king. Yeah, you can't put me down, Bubba. <laughs> I'm a daughter of God himself. You can try, but I'm not going to retaliate. You can throw an insult at me, but I'm not going to retaliate back. Now, for some of you who maybe grew up like some of us others, getting even is what it's all about. <laughs> Having that last word. Jesus said, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In fact, <laughs> I'm going to go one more here. You heard that it was said long ago, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's the second time in this sermon where Jesus has made 
reference. Blessed are the, he said in verse 9 of chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called God's children. And down here he says, love your neighbor, pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven because that's how God does it. The insults that we heap on God every day by the way we live, the way we violate his standards. He says, but I love you anyway. He says, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors and the sinners doing that? Unless your righteousness surpasses that even of the Pharisees, you don't get it. You don't understand what it's about. So, yeah, that all sounds good, but, but how do we pull that off? Well, Matthew and Luke both give us help there. I'm going to read uh, Luke's version in Luke chapter 6. How do I resist this hatred? that can lead me to want to kill somebody? How do I stand against that driving passion that leads to adultery? How do I stand strong when somebody slaps me across the face, verbally or physically, and not have to retaliate? How do I love my enemies? How do I love people who put me down and insult me? How can my word be so good that when somebody hears me say something, they say, take that to the bank. That ethical standard is gold. How, how, how do I get that? How do I cross? Well, some people say you do it by thinking about it. Just grit your teeth, read the self-help books, just keep trying. Anybody tried that thing besides me and said, well, that don't work. Well, Jesus once again turned that around. He said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. In other words, thorn bushes and briars produce no fruit. So don't be looking to them to get anything good. A, and then he, here's where Luke adds to Matthew's. A good man or a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in her heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil things stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks from what fills the heart. Battle for control is not won or lost at the level of the tongue. The battle for control is won or lost at the level of the heart. As is the root, so is the fruit. If you're a lousy person, you're going to do lousy things. If you're a good person, you're going to do good things. We talk a lot about discipleship. It's been a wonderful privilege over the years, and some of you guys at the Kairos are doing some discipleship with these guys. 
But what makes discipleship work, and the reason I, I say with, I guess with pride, with great satisfaction, is I have people who are like my sons. I have four sons, two birth sons and two adopted sons, and a bunch of grandkids. But the reason we connected the way we did, and, and, and many, many others, is it was all about this, how do you cultivate a good heart? If my heart is good, I don't have to worry about my hands. If my heart is bad, I won't worry about my hands. I'll let them do whatever they want. Jesus is saying the key is to be a good person. And you become a good person by letting God's Holy Spirit have his rightful place in your life. You become a good person by letting God's Holy Spirit have his way in your life. Having Jesus Christ function as your high priest. Here's what the book of Hebrews tells us about this same Jesus who's teaching us this Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have a high priest who has been tested in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. We looked at that two weeks ago when we talked about Jesus' temptation. Now, I really struggled with that concept. He has been tested in every way as we are? You mean he had some of the thoughts that I have? He was tempted to do some of the things I'm tempted to do? My sinless Lord Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, wrestled with some of the crud? You mean I can come to him and say, Lord, <laughs> I know you don't understand this one. I mean, I'm pretty gross. You know my neighborhood, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jesus said, I didn't grow up in your neighborhood. And you've never been tempted by Satan himself. You never had to get on your knees and pray to my father and your father. Lord, I don't want to be crucified tomorrow. I don't want to go through that. That humiliation, the beating, that awful, torturous death. I don't want to do that. Or can, is there a way out? I am being tested. I don't want to do that. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And when you're wrestling with that great temptation or that great sorrow, in your future. Whether you win or lose will not be determined in that moment. Whether you win or lose is being determined day by day by the way you cultivate a heart that trusts and knows Jesus. He has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and receive help in your time of need. 
in your time of need, not when you've got the gun loaded and you're going looking for this clown. The help you need when you're saying, I really resent that. I really am finding myself hating that person. Come boldly to the throne of grace to find help with your anger. Don't come when you're saying, the motel door is locked, and I'm not sure I should do this. Come boldly to the throne of grace when you look and say, hmm, I just had a good idea. <laughs> You're an idiot. That's not a good idea. But come then. Cultivate a good heart by daily, 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 reminding yourself that you are salt 